It's a jackalope carnival. Jack, jack, jackalope. Jackalope carnival. Hi, I'm Becca. Hi, I'm Eric. And you're listening to Jackalope Carnival, a sideshow of stories, a bi-weekly podcast where we explore the paranormal, the unusual, and the downright odd. And speaking of odd, Eric, I had this idea because I don't know if you, like many of us, have been spending a lot of time on Zoom the past year. Mm. The thought of going back out into the world and socializing and teaching face-to-face, doing my work face-to-face, is a little daunting. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I get it. And, uh, you know, having to shower again is probably something that I should do. <laughs> Wear pants. Right. So <laughs> I I had been thinking about this, and I found us another sponsor. What? Uh, we unfortunately oh, got dropped by those leech, Biederman leeches. Mm. God, I knew that was going to happen. But this sponsor is for the Zoombox 3000. What's the Zoombox 3000, is- you might be asking? Hey, Becca, what's the Zoombox 3000? 1000, 1000. Have you finally adjusted to the virtual life? The comfort of meetings in sweatpants? No pants? Finding it hard to imagine going back? You don't have to. With the comfort of the all-new Zoombox 3000, you can make any face-to-face interaction feel like a virtual one. Made of the finest 100% recycled materials, our layered and corrugated paper fibers slip over any outfit to simulate the cozy cocoon of virtual isolation from head to toe. Each Zoombox 3000 is at least 4 feet by 3 feet wide, easily allowing the average person to shift that at-home wardrobe directly to work. And because of Zoombox's conveniently rigid and boxy shape, you'll prefer to stand all day, making it a snap to get the daily steps you've been aiming for. But wait, there's more. Enjoy turning the camera off so you can roll your eyes at your boss as she tries to motivate you to crystallize the infinite possibilities 12 times in an hour? Zoombox 3000 has a customizable front screen that features an adjustable flap you can close with the pull of a string. Sorry, Sonia, my connection is unstable. How much do you think this indispensable experience is worth? $1,000? $10,000? No, if you act now, the Zoombox 3000 can be yours for a one-time payment of only $99.99. That's $99.99. Mailed to us in any cardboard shipping box measuring at least 4 feet by 3 feet. The Zoombox 3000. You're just not ready for this. Visit us now at jackalopecarnival.com. Do not wear an inclement weather. That should really cover our bills for this month. That really should. All right. So um, we're here at our number 12, our last episode of our inaugural season. Uh, I think, I don't know. How do you feel, Eric? Um, I'm feeling great. This is kind of, it's been a lot of fun. I had no idea that we would be sending our voices literally around the world to talk about um, the stuff that we normally talk about anyway (laughs) and basically let the world in on our conversations. And um, people seem to come back and keep listening. And it's been really fun. 
Yeah, it's been really amazing to connect with people. And I really look forward to making connecting with us easier and more interesting in the coming season. And we're going to take about a month long hiatus, but we've, we'll definitely be working behind the scenes on more things Jackalope Carnival. And then we'll be back. We already have some of what we want to do next season outlined. So that's great. I added a couple of things to the list today while I was doing research. Uh, See, is this is this is how it works too. I never know. Sometimes he'll tell me, "Okay, this is what we're talking about today," and I am unprepared. All right, so I just want you to all. Um, I hope you feel free to share some of your stories with us and beliefs that you'd like to hear more about. As Eric and I have both built our careers on studying religion and history, we believe that humanity runs on stories. Whether the stories are about the origin of our species. Or how we understand ourselves in our own lives, we ground ourselves in narratives, myths, and cosmologies. We orient our place in the world, even the cosmos, through stories and our interpretations of them. Stories form our beliefs, our philosophies, and our ethics come from stories. Ultimately, Jackalope Carnival and its sideshow of stories is a podcast about beliefs. Beliefs that were once mainstream and now seem wildly fringe to our current understandings of medicine and science, such as we discussed in a previous episode on leeches and bloodletting for all that ails you, or which is one of our favorites personally, or belief in one's own narrative, no matter how misguided, like the infamous Alfred Packer, who fatally led his party to believe that he was an expert guide, only to end up as dinner. And a lot of the times we talk about belief in fantastic creatures, known as cryptids. They're almost always beyond belief, but their stories become ingrained into our culture no matter how many times folks attempt to disprove them. And this episode is going to start there. Now, when Eric first mentioned to me that we're going to do an episode about the lizard man, my first reaction might have been like what yours is when you all hear the term lizard people, lizard man. No, not touching that conspiracy stuff with a 10 foot pole, no matter how fun it is to imagine lizards with British accents, wearing crowns, wearing little tiny lizard heels, red and corgis. That's adorable. I love it. So much fun. Maybe a new art project. (laughs) But that's not what you were talking about, is it? This is not what I was speaking of. I was actually talking about a um, – this is so strange, too, because there are two l- regular listeners that I interact with. Uh, shout out to uh, Mac and Teddy. Hey, guys. Hey, Mac. Hey, Teddy. Uh, and they both, they both requested this independent of each other. And it's a story from South Carolina that blew up in 1988. But interestingly enough – And now the story is kind of like simmering down there, but it really isn't like a national or international cryptid. Um, It really is a story. Yeah, I hadn't heard it, and I literally live three hours from there. (laughs) Right, and it's a story about just a a creature that looks like a cross between a man and a lizard that, you know, sometimes walks on the roadway and causes trouble. Um, Yeah, when I realized what you were talking about, I was really excited because I do live close enough that it's a day trip, and I've been to Lee County before. I'm actually to see something that is real, unarguably, but it's almost beyond belief, and that's Pearl Fryer's Topiary Garden, which is also in South Carolina that we'll talk about a little more at the end. Um, So, Eric, tell us a little more about this lizard man. Does he ride corgis? He, um, He might, but not that has been observed yet. 
Although I like to think so. Now he's set uh, by all accounts. He's over six feet tall, somewhere between six and nine feet tall. Mm, that is take one a lot of large corgi, or he could strap the corgis to his feet like little roller skates. Just or saying. maybe there's a giant corgi cryptid, giant corgi like cryptid. Babe the Blue Ox. Exactly. That's a real possibility. Now, okay, so we are talking about belief earlier. This is something, this is one of the lines I always want to walk whenever we're doing a story, right? I don't ever want to necessarily mock a person, especially a living person, for holding a belief that might, you know, there might, some folks might have a hard time taking them seriously for that belief. If someone's dead and in the ground, then, you know, they're fair game as far as I'm concerned. But if there's someone who is around right now and he said he saw a lizard man, I don't know. Just outright ridiculing him feels very mean-spirited, I guess, to an extent. But also, here's another thing that I was thinking while I was doing this research. So suspend all belief that you may have if you're inclined to not believe that there is a lizard man, right? Mm-hmm. Like imagine, you know, you might you might right now be sitting there thinking there's no way there's a seven foot tall lizard man that attacks cars in South Carolina. And that's fine. Right. I mean, that's kind of like I would call that default setting. Right. For 21st century American belief. And that's fine. But what if there? What? let's just suspend belief for a second and say that did happen. Right. How would you make the rest of the world believe this thing that happened to you? That like, like seriously, no one is inclined to believe, or even if they secretly do believe you, they have to pretend like they don't because they're afraid of other people making fun of them. And that's mm. what I kept bumping into as I was doing my, my you know, reading the stuff on this, because it, it felt like there was a lot of folks covering this in the media, but they were trying to have it both ways. They were covering the story, but at the same time, like kind of doing the whole like, Ho, 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 isn't that funny? What are they drinking down there? You know, type of thing, you know? Um, And it it kind of bugged me, I'll be perfectly honest. Like, it annoyed me on behalf of the people who, you know, if they did see something, and I'm given the benefit of the doubt here, like, I'm thinking they saw something. And if they saw something, and something that wrecked their cars, thank you very much, you know, you might get kind of annoyed if people are constantly making the butt of jokes. I'm just, just, I don't know. What would it take? Are you on a belief day then? Because you, you, you I have am. your day. The stars <laughs> are aligned for belief. I was going to say, <laughs> Becca, what do you, Becca, what would it take to make you believe in a lizard man? You know, honestly, I don't really, it doesn't matter if I believe in it or not. That's such a cop out answer. No, it's not a cop out. I mean, it's really not. Like, I am fascinated by all the different beliefs that people hold and all the different mysteries. And whether I believe in it or not doesn't make people not believe in it. Okay. I really just feel like, what does it matter? Okay. Okay. So uh, I accept that. I accept that answer. And new paragraph. What would it take you to believe in an actual, like, physical lizard man or or a um, Keelzian creature? See what I did there? That uh-huh. is a lizard man. Like, what would it take? Uh, I mean, like, would I, I would have to see one in general. That would probably, but then I'd probably still doubt myself, to be fair. Hmm. I mean, I really don't know. I can tell you where I usually don't, you know, describe my experiences. I have never seen a lizard man. I'd be more delighted if he was, you know, with a giant corgi, though. I was going to say, I was thinking that. (laughs) Like, uh, even if I did, I don't know that I would tell anyone because I don't know that I care if anyone else believed me. Hmm. Okay. 
Fair enough. Well, in 1988, Chris Davis, he did care, actually, uh, because he was 17 years old in 1988. And Chris Davis was driving home at 2 a.m. He had just made a stop at a, a fast food joint uh, to get some food. I can attest to this. When you're a 17-year-old boy, you were hungry all the time. And he gets a flat. And that sucks. That sucks all the time. But it really sucks at 2 a.m., right? So he pulls over to the side of the road. And he gets out the jack and he starts changing his tire. And he's next to Scrape or Swamp, which is a swamp that's in Lee County, South Carolina. South Car- uh, Lee County, South Carolina is a fairly central county and it's it's pretty rural, right? You've been there. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a big chunk of South Carolina that's pretty rural. So, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. I mean, it's not exactly rural, but yeah. Okay. Uh, Compared get, to Baltimore, yes. <laughs> fair enough. I get the feeling that the Scrape or Swamp place where, where Chris And I was. haven't been to Scrape or Swamp, but I have been to the area. Gotcha. I get the feeling that it's pretty empty. Apparently, there's an artisanal well and a swamp and farmland, and that's it. So he's, you know, and it's it, admittedly, it's pretty creepy at 2 a.m. to be changing your tire. You know, nobody wants to be in that spot. So here he is. He's changing his tire and he says he looks up and he sees 25 yards away from him or so. He sees red eyes glowing. Okay. And luckily he's just put his jack back in his car. He's not the beginning of this process. So he runs to his car and he shuts the car door. But before he can close it, three long reptilian fingers make their way around the door and he's by Mr. Davis's account, very strong. And they're having like a little tug of war back and forth for the the car door. The lizard man is said to be so tall that as he's looking out the window, he can only see the creature from the neck down. And they're having a tug of war for the car door. Now I can only imagine, because if this was happening to me, you know, the adrenaline would be pumping. So I would be using my full strength to shut the car door. And apparently he does. And, he, you know, the, the lizard creature lets go and he speeds off as fast as his Toyota can take him. But then he says the creature starts running after the car and keeping up with the, this automobile as it's accelerating. And it leaps. I feel like there's – wasn't that a little orphan Andy? Little Orphan Andy. Little Orphan. Leaping lizards. Leaping lizards. Boom, right? Yeah, right on the car. Whack. Um, And it lands on his roof. So at this point, he's totally freaking out, right? He's he's swerving left and right to try to buck the, the lizard off of his car. But he can see the long fingers poking over into the top of the windshield. And... Through riding corgis, the lizard man has lots of experience with bucking broncos. You know, your yeah, the corgis is your addition to the lore. That is not what anything. So, he, oh my goodness, you're talking about belief, and then you're getting all like, oh no, you can't talk about you can't, your corgis. You can't. The cor- there's no. Well, I'm, I'm saying you can. I'm just mentioning that he did it's not. It's not canon. It is the corgis are not. These are not canon corgis. <laughs> Cannon Corkies. Wait, there's the band name for the week, and you're welcome. All right. Make sure you get the proper number of N's in Cannon Corkies, though, because uh, that would be really messy. Yeah, we got it. Yep. yep. All right. So um, he he rides to the police station. 
again, this is kind of like Mothman, right? I mean, you got people who are in the middle of the night. They, they, something weird happens. They drive straight to the police station and he gets a report and he tells the sheriff, he's like, Hey sheriff, um, this just happened. I'm totally freaking out. And the sheriff investigates the car. Sure enough has, uh, scratches on it and the rear view mirror on the driver's side is completely torn off. Honestly, I'll be honest here. If I saw a lizard creature jump on my car, my first thought would be aliens. Hmm. My first thought here would not be terrestrial, okay. terrestrial. It would be extraterrestrial. <laughs> See, I'm still I'm still thinking that this is a Keelsian interdimensional okay. being. Oh, you and your interdimensional. Okay. Remember we coined Keelsian a few weeks ago. Oh, we did, but also, you know, you, your love of interdimensional creatures. It, it just makes sense to me, right? Why do things knows, pop in That's why you're getting defensive about him, because he's an interdimensional creature. It all makes sense now. Okay. Wait, why is that? Carry the... on. Carry on. It can, it can, is interdimensional corgis still a, band, is still a viable band? Oh, interdimensional corgis is like the best band name. I like it. I'm Fair doing enough. that. All right. All right. So he's seven feet tall. He's green. He's scaly. He runs 35 miles per hour and can leap onto the top of your car. This is not the only example of Lizard Man messing up somebody's car. <laughs> Apparently, he showed up. So this is outside of Brownsville in, uh, in Lee County. Uh, sometimes it's said to be near Bishopville, which is the largest city in Lee County. Uh, that's and that's where I've been. Yes, although when you say Brownsville, I'm thinking of the song Delta Dawn. So, actually, and yeah. I said that wrong. Please excuse me, Brown Town. It's actually Brown Town. Oh, okay, I was like, wasn't that Delta Dawn? Um, the only the only version of that song I know is from Me First and the Gimme Gimmies. Did you know that? Okay, I didn't know they covered that. All right. Well, yeah. we can put that on a playlist. Anyway. Yeah, it's so pretty good too, actually. It's it was between Bishopville. You know, I'm since we're off track already, I'm gonna spend I'm gonna just interject something in here. Do we I'll ever have a track? But, uh, well, no, but I re- when you were telling the story, I remember that I went with my friend and we were actually supposed to go to um a uh, bridal shower. And my friend and I were driving and we got the this kind of was like, oh, and so you're gonna you're gonna catch on to this. But as we were going, our the Google, it just the directions were gone. We couldn't get it back up, and we hmm. ended up like all the way in the woods, back in the middle of nowhere. And it actually drove us an hour off our track. Hmm. So there you go. Did you I see can any say I did have tall. a really odd I did have a really odd um experience around there. So we ended up losing an hour and yeah. Okay. Like losing an hour like you don't remember or losing hour meaning unplanned. No. I mean I it seemed like twenty minutes to be honest, but we were talking and that happens a lot when you're with your friends. So I'm not okay. gonna say not in that. Yeah. No. You don't have like days missing and then like. No, we were just talking and then all of a sudden it was like, where are we? You wake up with a metal implant. Why are the directions gone and how do we get back? So to. to, All right. I actually have Chris Davis's statement that he gave to the police here. um, Oh, I'd love to hear that. And it, it, he, he said, quote, I looked back and I saw something running across the field towards me. It was 25 yards away and I saw red eyes glowing. I ran into the car and locked it, and the thing grabbed the door handle. I could see him from the neck down, three big fingers, long black nails, rough skin. It was strong and angry. I looked in my mirror and saw a blur of green running. I could see his toes, and then he jumped on the roof of my car. 
I thought I heard a grunt, and then I could see his fingers through the front of the windshield, where they curled around on the roof. I sped up, and I swerved to shake the creature off. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> this story got picked up, and it actually went around the world, believe it or not. WCOS, which was a local radio station, offered a million dollars for definitive proof of a creature previously unknown to science. And as you can imagine, um, you know, a million dollars now, but a million dollars in 1988 brought people from everywhere in the region, you know, to come investigate to get the million dollars. Don't scientists always find the creatures that weren't previously like every year. So couldn't someone have just cashed in on that and been like, they found like a species of eel. We didn't know about. (laughs) Right. Here's a gecko lizard. (laughs) Right. Thank you for my million dollars. Well, nobody collected as far as I know, but the, the, the notoriety brought some more stories out. Um, Some people, you know, there were a couple more people who uh, said that, you know, they saw something crossing the road, another uh, family nearby. I actually saw their interview on, Uh, Somebody had videotaped it and put it on the internet and they were talking about their minivan getting attacked um, in their driveway. And the most impressive thing about their account was they, you know, they showed the pictures of what had happened to the minivan and um, the teeth marks on the minivan were, um, were little circles, you know, they weren't like, you know, like shark bite, you know, it's kind of wild. Um, They had apparently (laughs) – the car is kind of their thing now because they put a license plate on the front that said like lizard van, you know, which is – Lizard van? Yeah, lizard van. Yeah, it is pretty cool. There was a bit of a media frenzy uh, after the $1 million prize. And it brought some folks to it. It made it into the national press. Um, one of the best articles that I read actually was from the, a 1988 edition of Omni, which was a science magazine. Uh, is it? I don't even know it's still around. Do you know? I don't. And if it is, it might not be in print anymore. You're right. Yeah. I, I didn't check to see that. But it, I remember that magazine. In, in 1988, they they did a really good article. They interviewed Eric Beckyard, who identified himself as a cryptobiologist. And his exact quote was, quote, Lizard Man also appears to have a ravenous appetite for McDonald's fish sandwiches, unquote. <laughs> That's awesome. And also, how can you, can I just start identifying? Hi. Um, I'm, a- <laughs> I'm a cryptozoa. Becca, we run, uh, we run an international podcast about cryptozoology. I think if anyone can print cards that say, is it cryptozoologist? <laughs> right. It's us. Um, I, my, my thing that I'm looking for is the giant corgi. <laughs> <laughs> We're interdimensional corgi. My, the giant interdimensional corgi. That's going to be what I find. All so right. Deputy Wayne Adkinson and uh, State Trooper Mike Hodge. I actually got – this was from – this is actually from the Omni article. There's a Time Magazine article. There's an Omni article. And I found a local news article. Uh, again, this is all from the year. This is all from 1988. Um, And I found a news article from St. Louis. But the Omni article gave an interesting kind of after story that was actually kind of creepy. Uh, When a deputy and a state trooper, again, Wayne Atkinson deputy, Mike Hodge, state trooper, went to investigate a couple weeks later uh, the site where Chris Davis had had his experience with Lizard Man. They actually found tracks. And so – and they were looking for evidence. So I'm guessing because they had brought plaster with them. 
So they went ahead and made plaster casts of the tracks, and then they followed the tracks out into the swamp for a bit. And when they finally couldn't, you know, the, I guess they lost the trail. I don't know, maybe in soft, you know, soft earth or something. But they decided to turn around. And when they made it back to their cars, they found that there were fresh tracks that had crossed their vehicle tracks, like something had been following them. I guess my question is, is why was I get you obviously are going to anytime there's a cryptid interdimensional is going to be your first thought. That's my go to. Like, wouldn't you think aliens? Uh, I'm really stuck on this. Sure. I mean, I guess the only difference, right, between an interdimensional being and an alien being is the mode of travel, right? I mean, we're both talking about a a creature from another world. It's just Mm -hmm. you think that they arrived by spaceship and I think they arrived by some kind of tear in the space-time continuum or interdimensional travel. Yeah? I don't know. Am I I describing this right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) As far as we know. (laughs) Corgis abound. This is where the story gets interesting. This is the last thing I'll say. Wait, about. this is where the story gets interesting. Yeah, all that. Now that we got the boring you stuff out of the way, you had me a fish sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> so um, these uh, footprints are not. We're not. Yeah, they were impressive. Fourteen inches by seven inches long, and they had three toes with claws. They showed them to a local biologist, and this is according to the South Carolina Marine Resources Department spokesperson, a man by the name of Johnny Evans. He suggested not sending those tracks to the FBI, and that's what the state trooper and the sheriff wanted to do, because what Johnny Evans said was, quote, they neither matched nor could be mistaken for footprints of any recorded animal. Hmm. And as we know, the FBI even had a file on Bigfoot because it's been declassified. The last time that someone has apparently seen the lizard man that we know of is in 2015. Uh, WSPA, a CBS affiliate in South Carolina, reported that a motorist saw the lizard man cross one of the local highways. So there's still sightings occasionally. And that's what I got for the lizard man. Of Lee County. That is it. What else you want? I've been talking for 27 minutes. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was enjoying it. (laughs) But I was thinking about what you said where, you know, you said, well, what would it take for you to you know? How would you want people to believe you? You got a chewed up car. Um, You got 14 inch foot. I I like it. I like it. And I, you know, when you were, you were asking me like, why would I, you know, how would I tell people or how would I expect them to believe me? And I was like, I wouldn't. Um, And I'm thinking (laughs) about it. We were talking about belief and, um, I just want to come out with that I, as you know, um, but our listeners don't, I grew up in a minority religion. You know, when you're looking at the Pew data about religions and they're like Islam 1% or 1.8% and then like, you know, other, you know, nothing of a percent. (laughs) I I, I grew up in a religion in that nothing of a percent. So, I mean, I was just used to nobody believing the same things I believed. It wasn't a deal. That's how I was raised. (laughs) Fair enough. So I'm like, why would why would I expect anyone else to believe the same thing I do? Poor Jim. I'm thinking of poor Becca and her jackalope in her elementary yes. school um, <laughs> yeah, like, okay, library. Well, so uh, you know, belief. I think that you know, 
if you're comfortable in what you believe sometimes, or maybe I'd want to protect poor lizard man. You know, maybe you would say nothing because you didn't want people to go try to find him for a million dollars. Yeah. So I, I, like I said, have been to Bishopville, South Carolina. I went in 2018. I went specifically to see the Garden of Pearl Friar. And like many people, I first heard of Pearl Fryer through a documentary about his life that came out in 2006 called A Man Named Pearl. It's a story of Pearl Fryer. He's a self-taught artist and garden genius, apparently. Um, and I say garden genius because he, while he does mostly plants native to the area, he's been able to grow plants that generally don't grow in the climate in the Southeast. So he's been able to grow plants that really have other preferences. So he's like, and, he's got X-Men level like green. Yeah. Thumb. Yeah. And he, I mean, all his garden is, is his medium. So he's an artist who uses topiary trees as his medium. Um, and they're in this town. So we've just given you some fun things to do in Bishopville, South Carolina, <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and I, I do encourage it. it going to Pearl Fryer's house. It's open. Um, the yards, you can just drive up, park across the street. There's a little bit of a parking lot. I went with my friend. There was nobody else there. We just wandered around. And, and you're literally in his yard. You're literally just kind of walking around. I believe they bought the yard next to them eventually. Uh, but you're just walking around this man's yard, looking at his artwork, his topiaries. Um, he's a self-taught artist, and he does some things with metal, with found objects. And they're really cool, and it's very beautiful. And he said that he wanted to have something that was open to the public. He wanted to have something where people could feel peace and love. Um, And he said that he wanted to have a space that feels spiritual, that wasn't necessarily denominational, but had a feeling. Um, I I would say, would you say this would be he created a liminal space, Eric? That sounds like it. (laughs) I mean, we were, yeah, we need to send this, uh, a copy of this podcast to like Lee County's board of uh, tourism or something. Because I kind of, we have no, there are no giant corgis here. Move along. Or on the the other hand, we need to hide this uh, web podcast from uh, Lee County. Lee County. No, I want to go. I want to go see the, I haven't seen these strawberry gardens. Well, and and they're beautiful. And like I said, I think he really did succeed in that, that he had this belief in himself and he had this belief in what a garden should be. And he had some things against him, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Um, but it didn't really matter. So this topiary garden in the, in the story of the documentary is called um, a man named Pearl. And it tells us that he's born in North Carolina in 1939 and his parents worked at sharecroppers as sharecroppers. Um, and this is something sharecropping is something a lot of folks here in the Southern U S did, especially in, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina. And it was a hard life. My grandfather on my father's side was a sharecropper, actually. Oh, well, yeah. And this is, I mean, many, many people live this way. It was a hard scrabble life. You lived on land you didn't own. You produced crops you couldn't keep. You spent money um, to the landowners sometimes for tools and goods that you needed to live on. And sometimes you ended up in debt. Um, And the system like I said, it was hard for people to get out of. I used to work at a farm museum and explain sharecropping to third mm. graders. So mm. this is my attempt to pare that down from, you know, 40 minutes to or no, 30 minutes to right. two I sentences. Mean, the, the, the nightmare <laughs> reality is... This is not is, about sharecropping. No. 
at the end of the year, you might owe, you might owe more than you made. And that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to get too much into it because I yeah. feel like a lot of the stuff I've read about Fryer likes to highlight this a lot, hmm. um, but he doesn't stay on the farm. Like a lot of men of his generation, he joins the military and he wanted to see some of the world and he does that. And um, in the Charleston Magazine in 2019, he says he served in the military in Korea and moved to Queens, New York when he returned. I was in New York in the hippie generation and got a job a mile from Woodstock. After growing up in the South and then being exposed to different cultures, you're going to grow. And he does. In 1976, he leaves the North, as we call it here, uh, South (laughs) of Virginia. (laughs) The North. Eric is in the North. (laughs) And you're not. Has Virginia joined the North? yeah you're it's it's the north Um, how about that so well anything below dc is uh, i would say a big chunk of virginia kind of but anyway um (laughs) i digress so he goes first to atlanta and then he eventually blind after a year lands in bishopsville south carolina in lee county near our friend actually around the same, you know, little, he predates our friend, the lizard man, but he and his wife, they purchase a home and, you know, as homeowners, they want to beautify their yard um, with a garden. And so Pearl starts to build a driveway and do all of these things that young homeowners do. It kind of goes from there and really takes off. And an article about him on the site, Souls Grown Deep, which I, I found through looking for Pearl Fryer. It's a great site. I'm going to plug them because they are the Souls Grown Deep Foundation and Community Partnership. And it says they're dedicated to promoting the work of African-American artists from the South and supporting their communities by fostering economic empowerment, racial and social justice, and educational advancement. And that's www.soulsgrowndeep.org. We have no affiliation with them but they sound pretty awesome that they do yeah i just want to because i thought they were great and i want to plug them so in the article um that they say that he says as he was growing up he had no interest in trees or shrubs or gardening of any sort and now he says that plants are not so important to me it's what i do with them plants are just a means to do what i want to do And that quote is interesting to me for a few reasons. So one, I would think that many artists would say about their medium that it's not the most important, like, you know, paint isn't important to me. It's what you can do with the paints, et cetera. But also because he grew up farming and, you know, sometimes if you grow up around something, it isn't what you want to do. You're like, oh, that's what they did. I don't want to do this. But while he may not have had an interest in or instruction in gardening, it seems to have rooted deep. <laughs> Excuse the pun, grown all you want. It was there. <laughs> I had to do it. Yep. yep. Um, Glad you got but, that out of the way. <laughs> Eric's like, oh, I'm editing that out. But the thing, but the things that he's done with those plants is where we get to what defies belief. Because he began to turn his mind to topiaries as he wanted to win the yard of the month. And from what Hmm. we understand, like he wanted to win this yard of the month, but he was just outside of the line. He was in the County and not the town. And so he couldn't, he was ineligible. This might be an example of like the most over reaction to trying to win some local lawn contest that I've ever heard of. (laughs) No, but it's amazing because this is what he believed. Yeah. He believed that he could do something so special that they would bend the rules because he was going to show them like, yard. He, you want yard of the month? I'll show you yard of the <laughs> yard month. Yard of the century. 
And he does. He literally does. Um, And he said that now about 25% of his plants are salvaged, but that's what he would do. He would go and take plants that were on death's door and grow them. Hmm. And what's beautiful about his art and talking about belief is, is that when you grow a plant, you might not be thinking, what's this going to look like in five years? What can I do with this after it's matured? How can I cut this? How can I cut this into these shapes? And he doesn't cut them into shapes. And I actually, I have photographs. Um, I'm going to put them on our Instagram page at Jackalope Carnival. But I think that you'll have a better time just Googling Pearl Fryer, F-R-Y-A-R, because it was a cloudy day. I was taking them with my phone. And if you know me, me, you know, I am not a huge tech person, so I've always had the crappiest phone that money can buy. So they're not gorgeous pictures. And Pearl Fryer's whole garden is amazing. And he did it. He believed that he could, and he did. And not only that, but he had this belief. Think about that. Having this belief that you're going to do something amazing, that's going to make people bend the rules. And it's going to take five years for you to even be able to get your trees mature enough to do this. And he saw that he, he, when he went to the garden center to get his first plants, that's what sparked the idea. He saw a topiary class. So he had like maybe one hour of instruction in topiaries Hmm. and now he's famous all over the world. Um, I know he's had something here in North Carolina at our museum. Go there. There's the Waffle House where he and his wife like to have their breakfast. There's a Pearl Fryer special. He does the topiaries mm. for the Waffle House, and he gets breakfast every day. Eric and I had a bit of a shock when I was first like, oh, well, awesome. You're talking about Lee County. I'm going to talk about Pearl Fryer. And I put his name in, and Wikipedia said he had died. And I was like, no way. And I looked it up. Although he is in his 80s. Um, like I said, two years ago, his garden was still growing strong. He does have donations. I believe he has a scholarship fund where he doesn't, you know, this is for the public. This is open. He has this belief that this is a spiritual place that people can come and it really is beautiful. So I highly recommend if you go looking for lizard man, you just (laughs) drive down the road a little bit and enjoy Pearl Fryer's handiwork. You can make a weekend of it. Yeah, because I actually absolutely, I think Eric and I intend to, um, yes, just as I soon as we're out so. traveling again. Yeah. And you can also, you know, to, to whet your appetite for that, you can always get on the internet and take a look at uh, some of his work, uh, has some great pictures on the internet as well. But stop by the Jackalope Carnival Instagram first before you go anywhere else. Definitely. And, and and as you're doing it, please tell us some stories that you might like to hear in the future. Some places we love to hear about cryptids. We love to hear about odd things from science, you know, back in the year 100. Um, <laughs> we like to hear about artwork. Uh, this is obviously not the only outsider. They used to call it now it's visionary art piece that I have seen. So we can talk more about some of those. Uh, I recommend Randy Land in Echo Park in LA. If you're also looking for a place to go and you're around the California area, it's also awesome. It's bottles, not topiaries. Okay. Well, maybe we'll have to do Randy Land in LA next time. Oh, I will totally do Randy Land, and I've been into Randy's house, and that's a whole other story. All right. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you all so much for letting this be just a really great experience, and we hope you've had fun, and we will see you shortly. Take care, folks.
Jackalope Carnival. Um, the the 